TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Welcome to Overnight America with Ryan Recker on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com. And welcome back to Overnight America. It is quite a night because we're going to hopefully get some new vote totals in Arizona and Georgia tonight. And just looking at the Electoral College, if Donald Trump loses Arizona, it pretty much looks like it would be impossible for him to get the presidency back for a second term without the intervention of the courts. And that's the thing that you don't want to leave it up to. I don't want to leave the presidency up to litigation. That would be too difficult when it gets to trying to figure out what your odds are. But the thing with Arizona is that the votes that are being counted and the ones that are coming in are favorable. At least the counties are favorable to Donald Trump. And we saw in the last update that came in about 45 minutes ago that he started to narrow the lead. So he gained about, what, 13,000 votes um, if you're looking at the net votes, 59% of the votes that were coming in were for Donald Trump. If he keeps that pace up, he will be able to overtake that. Now, it's not an easy feat by any means. It's not an easy feat at all. It's a lot of uh, question. One person pointed this out, and what a bizarre scenario, because you're looking at 270 electoral votes. Let's say, hypothetically, that Joe Biden takes Georgia. I don't think that'll happen, but let's say Joe Biden takes Georgia, and then Donald Trump somehow turns Nevada around. You know what that would put the Electoral College at if, let's say, Pennsylvania goes the way it's looking? 269 to 269. Oh, please don't let there be a tie. (laughs) Please don't let there be a tie. I just hope there's an outright win here. Now, I want to open the phone lines up for you. I know you got a lot of frustrations. You probably got a lot you want to talk about with this election. And it probably goes both ways. Uh, Some of you may want to see Joe Biden win. Some of you may want to see Donald Trump win. I'm guessing there's probably more people listening right now that want to see Donald Trump win. We saw Missouri turn into a solid red state. A lot of great wins in that sense. So let's open it up. 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. We can talk about scenarios or what you think might be happening here. Can he do Arizona? I'm hoping that when the next update from Arizona comes in this hour, we can do that live. Dr. Lauren Wright's going to join us in a little under a half hour from now. She's a professor at Princeton where she teaches uh, public affair and politics. And she's also an expert on the American presidency. We've had her on the show a couple of times. I really like her. I think she's a great guest. And we hope that in the next half hour or so, maybe there'll be new things for us to talk about with her and we'll be able to get her opinion on those. So let's do a couple of things. I don't know if you know who Jay Sekulow is. He's one of the lawyers 
for Donald Trump. He worked on the impeachment, but he's also, uh, you know, just a big time lawyer in general. He's got a radio show and he's pretty popular, at least through the radio show. And he talks about just basically making sure, you know, evening the playing field, I guess, when it comes to defending constitutional rights. There's always a lot of people that are fighting those things in court. So when Donald Trump picked him up as part of the impeachment legal team, I thought, oh, that's a good move. He did a great job with that. Rudy Giuliani being part of it and, you know, a bunch of other lawyers. You had Helen Dershowitz. You know, you had some pretty big names that were coming into the defense of Donald Trump. So what you saw from Jay Sekulow earlier today on his radio program talking about the states that there will be lawsuits brought up, and you've already heard those two. We're looking in Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, and Nevada. That seems to be Pennsylvania, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, Nevada, and Arizona seem to be the touch points. Now, Georgia is also very, very close right now. Andy. Uh, from what I can see in the numbers that I have, we are leading in Georgia uh, by 100,344 votes. All right, now this was earlier. I should mention we're, you know, nine hours removed from when he said that, so the numbers have changed, but not by much. With 94% of the votes being counted, and most of those votes are in uh, Fulton and DeKalb counties, which are usually Democrat. They're holding their votes to the end. Uh, typical of the Democratic machine to see how many they need. Yep, unfortunately. Holding their votes to the end. Why does it always seem like that in some of these major metropolitan areas? Honestly, no, I'm, I'm serious with this. When there's a contention, why does it always seem like it's at the very end, there's this big surge, and it's, I mean, overwhelming for the Democrat candidate? Why is that? I, I think there's reasons to be skeptical over these things. And Rudy Giuliani brought this up earlier as part of the news. I don't know if you heard that, but even mentioning, hey, wait a second. Um, why is it that the people that are watching the polls are being rejected from some of these areas? Why in Michigan, where they were counting it, that in the public polling areas, the ones where you can see them counting these ballots that they were putting up, uh, they were putting up um, cardboard on the window so you couldn't look into it. Why is that? That's a good question. Why is that? And I think that's what you're going to see when there's these sort of legal challenges. They're going to ask these questions. Why is that? And if it looks like there's any funny business that's going on, it's just going to continue to stretch this process out. So what you're going to see is even if Donald Trump maybe loses Arizona, there could be a huge amount of evidence going up to the Supreme Court that would question some of these votes that came in late I just don't know how this is going to play out. One time I saw this in Arizona, and there's some people that are coming out right now, and even people that you wouldn't expect to say this sort of thing, what they're saying is if they had to pick who the winner in Arizona is going to be based on what they're seeing right now, Donald Trump, they're picking, they're giving an edge to Donald Trump. If Arizona flips over to a red state, all bets are off. It's not a... It's not going to look at Joe Biden has it in the bag anymore. That's what we're running into. With some of these different votes in Pennsylvania, Eric Trump, who is a surrogate, also, you know, surrogate meaning he goes out on behalf of his dad, but he also goes to different places across the country giving speeches, trying to give his pitch of why Donald Trump should be reelected as president. Pennsylvania and talking about some of the irregularities I guess you're seeing when it comes to these votes catching up fairly quickly. Um, and we've declared victory in Pennsylvania. We're up by 400,000 votes with 86% of the precincts in. 86% we have Republican votes still coming in from Trump country. And the Democrats know that the only way that they could win this election is to cheat in Pennsylvania. 
And we've seen it from day one. We've seen it from day one. We found ballots in drainage ditches. They're not letting our poll watchers watch the polls. They're not letting them inside. There's video after video of them passing out collateral material in polling sites all over Philadelphia. They're trying to cheat. They're trying to cheat. They have three by five printed big posters in polling locations all over the city saying to vote for Biden and Harris, which is totally illegal. They're passing out flyers. The supervisors of elections, we have them on video, certain ones wearing literally Biden's face masks in polling locations, which is totally illegal. And now they won't let, and we brought one great gentleman here with us today, Jeremy, who's a poll watcher down at the convention center. They won't even let him watch as they count the ballots. They put them behind a fence. 40, 50 yards away where they actually can't see the counting happening. Guys, this is fraud. This is absolute fraud. We've seen it in Philadelphia before. They're trying to make a mockery of the election of this country. My father is up by almost half a million votes in this state with 86% reported and plenty of red counties left to go. Plenty of red counties left to go. We're going to win Pennsylvania. But they're trying to cheat us out of it. Because- All right, so I'll, I'll stop it there. But, you know, given the in making his case of why he thinks if this were escalated to the courts, what would happen? So earlier today it was 400 some thousand. Right now it's 186,000 lead in Pennsylvania. I do think Donald Trump will take Pennsylvania. It's just Arizona, I think, is what we're waiting to see what's going to happen there. And then the wild card is, let's say he loses one of those states and he goes behind and it looks like Joe Biden could have a clear cut victory there to be the next president of the United States, then you're starting to find the recounts in Wisconsin and Michigan being the last-ditch effort. How will that go? I don't know. 314-436-7900. I just hope it doesn't go to that. I would like to take some of your calls here, and if you want to text in, you can too. Um, maybe you, you're not buying any of this. Maybe you're seeing this as just a last-ditch effort. Maybe you think this is all um, just a way for the Trump administration to stretch this out unnecessarily. Maybe you think there is no evidence. Maybe you think this is all just a giant conspiracy saying that there is uh, all of these problems at polling places. Maybe that's where you're rolling with this, or maybe you look at it in a different way and you say, no, I agree. I, I think Eric Tr- Trump is right. I think there is question to bring up to some of these locations if— Things were done on the up and up. And if things were not, then why were they done the way they were done? This is Overnight America, KMOX. Listening to KMOX has never been easier. Siri, play KMOX. Welcome back to Overnight America. You know, I, I didn't know how to react to the news that was last night because we were doing the live video feed for KMOX.com. And towards the end of that video feed, we had Hancock and Kelly in. And you know what they were saying? Wow, this looks a lot like 2016. It's coming down to the wire. It really is. Arizona being one of those states, I wonder if Donald Trump wishes he would have treated John McCain a little more Not at that point. Because that would have made the difference. Um, 314-436-7900. I wanted to also let you know that there are expecting more votes to come in in Georgia and Arizona tonight. So whatever those may be, I'm sure it'll go district by district. Donald Trump has to keep a pretty high pace in order to keep this one going. So I think if I were to look at the numbers itself, I think they said he needed 57% of the vote to come in to switch Arizona, which is, it could happen. It can happen. In Pennsylvania, I think they said Biden needs like 80-some percent. So I think Donald Trump... It's, who knows what could happen in Pennsylvania, but I do think he'll have it. I think this could all come down to 
Arizona tonight. I really do. If we do get more and more of the numbers that are in, who knows? So let's take some of your calls. And I know that we took a lot on Monday. And I know you probably feel either the same or maybe different. You probably have a lot of emotions. I want to take them at 314-436-7900. Let's go to Barbara at America. Yes. Hello. Hi. Oh, yeah. I wanted to say that uh, I think they should check all the states that are the electoral states that uh, the South came in last night for President Trump, um, except for Georgia, because they had a flood. Um, But anyhow, like I said, I think they should check the electoral states and see and certify them with the federal government. And uh, if they can't do that, they should uh, have uh, Homeland Security check them, or they should have uh, the uh, Supreme Court check them. I wonder what the Supreme Court's role is going to be. Now, I don't know if the Supreme Court would, like, physically... Uh, get into the matter of checking them. I think primarily they would look at what would be counted and what would not be counted, as in if there's late ballots or anything. Well, apparently Georgia and some of the people that are down there said as soon as that deadline hit, they accepted no ballots after. So it was a timing factor. I think local time was 7 o'clock. Anything that came in after was was done. The big question is, while they're starting to find all of these surprise ballots, and, hey, they're just starting to show up all over the place— The other thing that concerns me is that if it's true in some of these big metropolitan areas that they are not allowing a poll watcher of the Republicans in, that could be, again, why even give the appearance of there being any shenanigans if you want to do things on the up and up? Uh, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. One of the things I do want to point out is that if this is challenged, then there would have to be something independent from the outside to come in and look at these things. I don't think you can necessarily trust the same people to do it. You need to make sure there is even no evidence of or even a sniff of there being any problems with it. But is if that's going to be the case too, who knows what ballots may be invalidated? Who knows? Maybe they do a better job when it comes to the verification process and they go through and they say, well, here's uh, you know 10,000 that didn't register properly or here's 10,000 that didn't actually put it in on time, or here's another 10,000 that uh, double voted or whatever. You know, there's all of these things. And even in Arizona, I've seen people point out that you can go online and see if your vote was counted. And a lot of people are saying, no, my vote has not been counted yet. So is the system down or what's going on there? And with all of these polling places, why do things in the middle of the night? And why is it when they do these dumps in the middle of the night, some places you look at are all Joe Biden votes. Why is it like that too? Remember during the 2016 election, You can go back and look at individual precincts in Pennsylvania when the official tally was in, and there was 100% of the vote that would go in to, like, Hillary Clinton, and you'd say, how in the world can you have all of these people living in a precinct in 100%, 100, and we're not talking low numbers, we're looking at large populated areas, 100% would go. How is that possible? Because it's not. I uh, I think Republicans have a... I guess they have a valid concern to want to make sure it's got they got it right. And I think that's where the courts will play into it. 314-436-7900. Um, polling is a major issue right now, too. So many people are just wondering if polling is going to be dead because what did they say? Hillary Clinton had a 98% chance of beating Donald Trump, and, you know, that didn't happen. And then was it 95% chance for Joe Biden to win this thing? And they had him up by like 10 points nationally and even more, 11, 12 points, depending on what poll you looked at before they started to back it off. 
if all of those things are going down, uh, and then maybe, let's say Joe Biden does win this thing, and it's by one or two points, even that he won, but the uh, the level he won, the number of points he won, if it was like two points he won instead of 12, goes to show you polling is completely flawed. Uh, let's go to Jeremy, who's calling in. Welcome to Overnight America. Hi, Jeremy, are you there? Jeremy, hello? It's like I can kind of hear him in the background, like he was like uh, taking a quick uh, breath of fresh air. Maybe he's a smoke break. Jeremy, are you there? All right, let's put Jeremy on hold, and Nathan, maybe you can see if you can talk to him off the air and we can get him on. But I wanted to play this real quick because I know we're going to get to your weather in a few minutes, and then we're going to bring our guest on. And I definitely want to take some more of your calls after our guest, Dr. Lauren Wright is an expert on the American presidency and professor at Princeton, where she teaches politics and public affairs. We've had her a couple of times on the air, and she has been fantastic in her perspective, and I I do like that. And she mentioned one thing to me before. I don't exactly know who the person is that listens to the podcast, but she said one of her students actually listens to the podcast. How cool is that? I love to hear those sort of things. I guess Jeremy's, uh, we've lost Jeremy. That's okay. But we'll, we'll take some your calls later. How about this? Um, let me play a couple of these polling things. Here's Frank Luntz. He does his independent like uh, focus groups. He'll bring people in, undecided voters. He'll talk to them. What did you like? What did you dislike about the speech tonight? Things like that. He was on MSNBC after all of this and looking at how close it is and really what could be a re-election of Donald Trump. It seems like an outside shot at this point, but it still very much is a possibility. This is what he was talking to about how polling was off yet again. He said if the polls got it wrong again this time around after missing it four years ago, that you thought it was kind of the end for the polling industry. How do you explain CNN having a 12-point margin for Joe Biden, which will be nowhere near that when all the votes are counted, even the most optimistic people on Biden's side say it'll be less than half that. That's not within the margin of error. That's simply being wrong. And the average numbers of all the polls had Joe Biden up by about 8%. And when it's all done, it looks like at best, at best, he'll have a 4% margin. At best. Uh, Chuck Todd over at NBC. Where there is a significant chunk of this Trump base, where there's significant rural vote, this is where the pollsters are struggling. One of, one of our polling teams, our state polling teams, identified one of the problems that's there. It's a technical issue when it comes to when it comes to polling these rural counties, um, and it's there. But the the real issue is it costs real money to do it right, and and it's really expensive to do it right. I think, and I, nobody is spending that money. But no, we're, we're not figuring out how to poll these rural counties better. I think they're all not. We are not accounting for enough of this Trump. What a lousy excuse, terribly lousy excuse. Oh, NBC and CNN and all these different places that have done their own polling and go out there and, you know, profit off of it. Oh, it's because it's expensive to do it right. So, oh, you have to show us a little grace. Uh Uh-uh. Big thumbs down to that excuse. I think some people look at it as being a little bit more nefarious in the sense that they believe they're using it as a way to try to influence people ahead of an election. Is that possible, too? That would mean there was some sort of, um, you know, bias. But we all know that there is no bias in the people that (laughs) would ever get in front of a camera on one of these news networks. So let me just say that. 
don't try to blame it on it's too expensive to do it right because you're a major news network. You got a ton of resources and your reputation was on the line. You got it wrong two times in a row. So be careful uh, and try to shift the blame on this. No one's buying it. When we come back, we're going to welcome in our guest. And I always am a fan of Dr. Lauren Wright when she joins us. She's a professor at Princeton. She teaches politics and public affairs there. This is Overnight America, KMOX. News Radio 1120, KMOX, the voice of the Cardinals. Overnight America is live up until midnight. And I got to say, I'm a fan of our next guest. She's a professor at Princeton, where she teaches politics and public affairs. Dr. Lauren Wright, thank you for coming on to uh, Overnight America. Hi, Ryan. Thanks for having me. So I'm wondering if you had class today, and if you did, what the conversations would sound like with your students. I did. I had a class and a precept, and the precept at Princeton is kind of our conversation group. And so we were talking about the news, um, you know, when that, that was before... Uh, Michigan and Wisconsin were called, and so it was a little bit earlier in the day. Uh, but we were talking about how what we've learned in our class about the presidency and elections, uh, what conclusions students can draw from that material, and kind of what might explain what's happening today. And some some political science can explain it, uh, but some is still very tough. Um, polling, for instance, there's there are lessons to be learned there, and we need to do better. Lots of uh, problems with polling, and I think the margin that they put Joe Biden up is the thing that concerns, because then, you know, uh, as pointed out, Frank Lutz, who does a lot of the focus groups and things, said that right prior to the election itself, CNN had him up by 12 points. Now, obviously, he's not going to win by 12 points. That's way outside the margin of error. So what are those things that are shifting in America that are changing those things? What are the why is polling off so much? That's interesting that that's one of the main topics. I thought for sure that the day after, when you sit down with some of the students, it would be more emotional. But it sounds like you were having some pretty solid debates. No, we we were having great conversations, and I have great students, so I have to brag about them whenever I can. But also, you know, I am pretty critical of political scientists whenever I can be, and I think it's it's a it's a problem that we're now losing trust, at least people who do polling. I'm not one of them. I study public opinion, but I can tell you we can do a lot better than this. And so I think the promises that were made about improvements from 2016, um, you know, we were told there'd be more rural voters polled, uh, more people polled by cell phone and online rather than relying on landlines. Uh, we were told maybe we could get more response rates from that um, weight based on education, and really the results uh, were were not very good. And um, you know, there's questions about shy Trump voters. I have doubts about that. I mean, especially because conservative networks who do reliable polling um, were also off quite a bit, and and polling was off in areas where people are proud Trump voters. So it's not just that. But I can tell you that we need to do much better, and people who are very good at these things need to, yeah. to step in and talk about it. Does a tie excite you, the idea that they could both be at 269? That, I mean, there is a possibility of that happening? There's a very slim possibility, so I'm not thinking too much about it. I mean, <laughs> uh, that's, it's, it's a very, very slim route at this point. 
I'm curious as a professor, I know you go back and you look at previous elections and races and the impacts of those things. If you were to try to figure out the, a lesson plan of the future when you go back and look at this election, how do you think we're going to teach it? How do you think we're going to look at it in retrospect? Well, you know, I think about and talk a lot about Trump versus the Republican Party and who is moving the changes that we're seeing. And I think we have to talk about both because um, Trump is a singular figure. He's a celebrity. He's an entertainer. He has qualities and abilities to move people and shape media narratives that most candidates don't have. But Republican candidates also did quite well this time around. And I think the, the surprising story is how did Trump pick up so many votes, um, you know, by double digits in some cases among Hispanic voters, among African Americans, among Asian Americans. Uh, he's done better than previous Republican presidential candidates among those groups. And race is one of the things that we talk about all the time when it comes to Trump. Is he make is he signaling is he divisive but clearly that's not the whole story here and i would like to see that um just as i'm looking at exit polling data like everyone else is we need to dig into that issue too we need to understand that better yeah i saw as part of the exit polling that this is the most non-white votes the republican party had since 1960 which is pretty remarkable all things considered. And that's why they believe some of these states like, you know, Arizona, Florida, Georgia, places like that may still be in play. And that's why you're starting to see, even though it's close, that they're, you know, the, the ones that haven't been called, at least for Arizona, depending on where you're looking at, there could be uh, a comeback and you just don't know. And that's why every night we're watching these things now. I don't know how long this is going to be drawn out. Um, looking at the Supreme Court with how that could work inside of the, the courts in general, um, what are your thoughts in general about the Supreme Court's election? Well, I mean, first of all, Arizona, you're absolutely right. And that's a state with a strong um, GOP mailing program. And so that would be a reason that I would hope President Trump would want that vote to be continued to count. Um, I don't think we should decide these things based on partisanship, but it doesn't just it doesn't automatically benefit him in every single one of these states to say, stop it where it is. On the Supreme Court, I think elections are an issue where um, justices are, you know, they're probably less ideological than we talk about them being. And I also think that the lawsuits, at least that we're seeing brought here, unless we get into recount territory, which we might in some of these states, and it looks like we might, um, are not the type of lawsuits I think would get to the Supreme Court or be taken up. These issues of um, procedures and how far apart are, are the, the poll watchers and uh, those things. Uh, I don't expect this to end up in the Supreme Court at all. But I, I also think the Trump lawsuits at this point are pretty toothless. Hmm. I think when some of the recounts and things, um, you know, who knows what can happen in a recount. There have been some recounts where things have changed 
in the past. Really? I mean, very few. It's usually hundreds of votes, if any, right? Yeah, very close. I'm trying to remember. My memory's not great, but we have uh, a guest on, Richard Bino, in the last hour, and he pointed out one instance where it actually flipped, and I can't remember what that is right now. So maybe if someone has a better memory than I do, they can text in that answer, and I would be able to bring it up. But, I mean, just in general, like recounts and then stopping, starting, you know, of course, 2000, depends on how far you think a candidate will go um, if, if pushed. So some people brought up that Al Gore gave up too easily. Uh, so I don't think Donald Trump's the kind of guy that would give up too easily. He kind of likes a fight. So this thing could be for a while. Do you think there's a chance that this even is drawn out into January? I doubt it. I mean, we're, we're very close right now to 270. Biden has a clearer path, but we're even close with states, you know, that, that Trump could benefit from if we just give them a few more days um, but, you know, and, and keep in mind, in 2016, Democrats requested quite a few recounts and it didn't change anything. And so, you know, I'm well aware that there are partisan motivations for recounts on both sides of this thing. I, I can't think of an instance 2000, of course, yes, but where it's, it's, it's flipped results. It's usually, they usually get the same results. Uh, thank goodness on average. <laughs> well, you want it to be right. You know, you hopefully yes. get it right the first time. Exactly. Um, Dr. Lauren Wright is an expert on American presidency and professor at Princeton, where she teaches politics and public affairs. So as this continues to draw out, are just the, of your own personal mental toll and exhaustion on the election by itself. Uh, are you ready for this to be behind us? No. I mean, I, I love this stuff. I am watching recounts come in on TV like everyone else. I'm not, you know, uh, counting ballots and staying up all night. If I do get to stay up all night, I get to talk to people like you and I get to be on TV. So I don't think I have a hard job at all. People counting votes right now. I'm thankful they have enough energy to do that. But uh, no, this is not a hard labor. I'm an extremely lucky person. <laughs> you know, my son is six. He's in kindergarten. And they, I asked him if they talked about the election today in school when he went in. And he said, no, they didn't really talk about the election. But he did mention to me that whoever your parents vote for should be a secret, as in private, not secret, a uh, private so he's like, should we not tell people how you voted? And I thought, well, that's interesting. That's what they brought up to a six-year-old. It's, you know, there's some privacy when it comes to the ballot. And that used to be the thing when I was a kid. You always kept it. There's supposed to be like a level of privacy. But anymore, I don't know. It's, it's kind of difficult to keep things private. It seems like the conversation comes up all the time. I'm glad at least that's what they were approaching it. And if that's what they're going to talk about in the schools to a six-year-old, that's how they did it. <laughs> That's really interesting. I did hear a similar story about someone saying, um, you know, the teacher said it's rude to ask someone who they voted for. And I remember when I was in elementary school, I had a such a stressful experience arguing with one of my classmates about Clinton. And, you know, I, I come from a Republican family and all I could it was something about impeachment, and I think I said Clinton lied, and that was the only thing I could think of. And I guess it was a solid argument, but that, of course, that stuff can be very stressful for kids. I mean, they don't have their full faculties, and they don't follow politics, and it's it's ingrained in our identity. And if you come from a family that does talk about it a lot, I don't know whether that's more or less anxiety provoking, but I could see uh, both sides of that. Yeah, and we had a kid one time that shook 
President Bill Clinton's hand. He came into town uh, and apparently his parents took him to the whatever the, the speech he was at. And he apparently got to shake his hand and he was like a celebrity after that inside of our own uh, school. You know, get to get in that close proximity to a, a president of the United States. But then again, I think that's pretty like cool. That. Yeah, that is pretty cool. You know, that's a story you can tell the rest of your life to your right, kids. Right, right. <laughs> president's hand. Um, by the way, do you have a favorite president? Um, do I have a favorite president? I've only met George H.W. Bush. So, I, you know, as far as interpersonal interactions, that that's the one I've had. Um, you know, favorite presidents to study, I guess, from a rhetorical perspective, um, Clinton's fascinating. Presidents who are better managers than we think, like Eisenhower, pretty interesting. Then you have Reagan, Kennedy, Obama, orators are interesting from a rhetorical standpoint. We studied that a couple weeks ago. Um, I guess I should say, no, I don't have a favorite president. I took too much time with that question. <laughs> you study all of them. It's like uh, they're, it, when you look at them from a historical standpoint, I guess it's almost a commodity because you're, you're learning about them in a certain way that makes it so their, their pros and cons are separate from just the knowledge of knowing how they handle things. What we should not do, I will say, is rank presidents. We should stop that. And, you know, it is done by people surveying presidential scholars, and and they are not unbiased, and the categories are very hard to measure and very arbitrary, and I get these kind of surveys all the time, and we should just stop this. I don't think it's a good practice. I don't think it's very reliable at all. And, you know, it's not very scientific, but it's fun to do and people love to do it. So I don't see any end in sight. I have uh, a book. I interviewed someone not that long ago. I keep it on my shelf. It's from J.D. and Kate Dobson called Hottest Heads of State. So it's basically a book written in the kind of like the teen bop magazines that you would get when you're like 14. And it's written about the presidents in that style. So... It basically goes through every president, and you go through, and it's like very colorful hearts and, you know, a bunch of pink and uh, blues. And they, they talk about each president as if it was some sort of teen heartthrob. It's very interesting. They do rank the presidents that way, but that might be the only time I've ever um, uh, discussed it. Well, I guess we have discussed it in other ways, too. Um, hottest Heads of State, you might want to look that out, because in the very back, they have a cutout of Eisenhower if you wanted a Halloween mask. So that's wow, that's pretty um, good. That reminds me of the, the – I hope they don't still do that hill, hot or not ranking, or I remember that was a thing for a while, the, the best-looking staffers. Um, Washington, D.C. does all <laughs> science, kinds of strange things like that. Oh, yeah. Uh, so people wanted to look you up, social media, things that you're doing. Where can they find you? Oh, sure. Um, Twitter's fine, at DR, Lauren A. Wright, all one word. Um, I'm on there quite a bit, so thanks. Great. Did you dress up for Halloween? I did not, no. Okay. I'm just curious. I mean, I don't... No. We decided... I took the kid out. He dressed up as the exact same thing from last year, and um, there were still people out. It seemed like most of the houses giving out candy were still doing it, but not a lot of participation anywhere else, I guess. Uh, I'm just curious if you would dress up as, uh, you know, when you're someone that you've studied in politics, it would be an obscure political figure or something. It seems like you might go into the deep cuts and those sort of things. Um, Dr. Lauren Wright, an expert on the American presidency, also a professor at Princeton. Thank you so much for coming on to Overnight America. Thank you, Ryan.
think I may have to cut out this Dwight D. Eisenhower mask and just have it on the shelf for easy reference point if I can just need a Dwight Eisenhower mask. This is Overnight America KMOX. Now back to Overnight America on KMOX. Sponsored by Michael's Flooring, the flooring experts. Michael'sFlooringOutlet.com Yeah, I'm so ready for this to end. I I know it's not going to end tonight, but it could. And it, the thing is, I'm just exhausted by all of it and just being totally consumed by all of it. I just wish I knew. And I think you are probably in that similar boat. You may be exhausted. Maybe this is what you live for. Maybe this is why you get up in the morning is to see the fight, the strategy, the game of chess that's being played. I wonder how all of this will play out. I just don't know historically how it will play out. I know that when the record books show Donald Trump, I'm going to be always skeptical of how they portray him. I think they'll never give him a fair shake. But looking at the way things are going tonight, and it's not looking good for Donald Trump. In fact, if I were to say, you know, if I wanted to um, be in the best position, I would say Joe Biden is definitely a better position than Donald Trump. Now, all that could change if somehow there's a crazy Hail Mary pass and Arizona and Georgia both go to Donald Trump tonight. Then that's a game change. Those go the other way. We're in trouble in the sense that Joe Biden looks like it's going to be too difficult to uh, take it away from him. And then that's where we sit. And I, I'm just tired. I feel like I need some like relaxing music to just calm me down. And it's probably the wrong thing for a late night talk show to play calming, relaxing music at night. Because what does that mean? It means I'm putting you to sleep. I don't want that to be the case either. But at this point, it seems like we need a little bit of that. Are you, are you just tired of all of it? Are you just exhausted? Are you just so hands-off at the moment that wherever it goes, you're just ready for it? I, I don't want to see Joe Biden as the next president, and who knows if he even serves a majority of that term. Who knows if Kamala Harris steps up? Because I got to tell you, every time I see Joe Biden hit a stage, I think to myself, he is not getting any better mentally. It just it seems like a steady decline for him. And maybe the goal all along was to, you know, put him there and let him go off and do his own thing and let Kamala Harris take over. I just don't know. So maybe we just need relaxing music. Maybe we just need to realize that there's only so much we can do. And whatever that is, what we can do is outside of our grasp. And we're just an outside observer at this point. But... Next hour, let's take some of your calls. I, I do want to talk about what some people are looking at, the money that was spent on this election. You had hundreds of millions of dollars thrown in some of these races that did not go their way. I, I got to say, when all of the, the funding and the money goes into it towards the end, is it going to be worth it for Bloomberg to spend $100 million on states that didn't go the way of Biden? Probably not. I, I would be regretful. 300 some million dollars to help certain Senate go the ways of the Democrats. Oh boy, it's a lot of uh, money. I can think of a lot better things to spend my money on. Apparently, Missouri is redder than we thought. Everyone was calling it to be close between Parson and Galloway, but Parson really had that commanding victory there. That was a good news. And it kind of goes to show you that 
a lot of Missouri is solid red. So, all right, what's going to happen next? How about we take your calls? 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. I just want to make sure I am not the only one that is exhausted and tired. I want to make sure I'm not the only one alone tonight that just has no idea the way it's going to go but doesn't feel confident. Maybe you're more confident than me. I don't know. This is Overnight America KMOX. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.